I'm Emily, I am um, the kids leader here, and it's a long running joke that I lead kids because they're the only people that are smaller than me. Um, <laughs> we're off, there we go. Um, yeah, and it's really nice actually to be leading a talk where I don't have to think, what craft am I doing? What game do I need to do? And what prayer activity? So it's really nice. There is no craft today, I'm really sorry. Um, but um, you've got me instead. Um, uh, yeah, I lead kids. Um, which is lovely, I lead the team, they'll tell you that I'm not the most coherent person when it comes to team briefings and things. So I'm actually quite surprised I'm up here because usually I'm not making very much sense. Um, and I thought I'd let you in on a secret. Um, the most common question I get asked as a children's leader is not, how do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? It's not even, did Zacchaeus climb a tree because he was small or because Jesus was small? It is, can I have a biscuit yet? I'm literally running a bob and biscuit ministry, basically. So if you want to join kids team, come and have a bob and biscuit, because that's where it's at. Um, today is the first week of Advent, and it's a period in the year where we wait and we prepare to see, um, to wait for Jesus, to wait for Jesus to be born. And it's kind of a period in the church where we, we stop and we slow down a little bit and before we get to Christmas. And our theme for this year is joy to the world. And I'd love to look this evening, how do we find joy in the middle of the mess? How do we find joy in when times are tough, when things are difficult, when it's not the plan that we had, how do we find joy? So this got me thinking, how have I found joy or happiness in the last 24 hours of my life? Um, I've been back home, I've been in Hull, which has been lovely. Um, I it's just really hard to not say snow. I've had to, there's so much energy in me to say snow. It's snowing. It's not it's snowing. It's snow on the road. Um, so um, I've been back home, which has been lovely. Um, and my mum's car is a bit dodgy. Um, and the voice activation in it has broken. She's got this little thing in it where you can like press it and you can say like radio and it'll put the radio. Um, but she wasn't talking very nicely about a car while we were in the car and it got annoyed at her. And basically the voice recognition's broken um, and it just comes on even when she doesn't ask it to. Um, and none of us are quite sure what the word is to stop it. So if you pull up next to us, it genuinely sounds like someone's getting kidnapped because we're just going, stop, cancel, no, stop, cancel, no, no. And um, it's not having it. So this has brought me joy. It was quite funny. We went on like an hour-long car journey and it happened about five times and it was hilarious. So that's, that's what brought me joy for the last um, 24 hours. Now, um, I don't know what brought you through the door this evening. I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know... Um, what you've come with, you could be really happy, you could be um, going through a really difficult time, um, but you're so welcome here and um, I'd love to talk about how we find joy in the middle of the mess. And I think we can look at this individually, but we also can look at this um, on a church kind of um, surface, how do we as a church so joy to those around us? And this got me thinking, um, so I'm living with the people I live with probably for, for two years, maybe three years, and um, imagine if if they live with Jesus, that would, that would be pretty amazing. That would, I'm pretty sure that would make a, a big difference to their life. So if we have the Holy Spirit in us and we can bring joy to them, what difference can we make as the church to those around us? What difference can we make to those people that we live alongside? So we're going to look today at Philippians 1, verses 1 to 8. And um, for context, it's a letter um, to the people of Philippi by Paul. Paul planted this church in Philippi and then um, he ended up 
uh, in prison. He ended up in prison for his faith. So he planted this church. He's now in prison, and he's, um, he's not in a good place. It's really hard for him. It's not what he expected. It's not what he planned, and he's going through a really difficult time. So let's read Philippians 1, verses 1 to 8. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So Paul's been badly beaten. He's been thrown into prison, all because of his faith. And now I don't know how you'd feel about that. I'd find that a bit hard, find it a bit difficult. I think he's going through a bit of a hard time. Paul's situation is messy. It's not what he planned, and it's not what he wanted. But this is where he's ended up. So how is he able to say, I always pray with joy? So I think we need to look at, firstly, what is joy? So joy is like a feeling of happiness, and it's like a feeling of gladness, but it's not temporary. I don't know what happiness is for you. Maybe it's a good roast dinner. Maybe it's a run. Can't relate to that. Maybe it's... um, joy for me is going to bed happiness for me is going to bed knowing that I don't actually have to set an alarm for the next day which I've done all week and it's been absolutely lovely I've got to set an alarm for tomorrow that's okay Um, so I think that's what happiness is happiness is these different things but actually the feeling of happiness that we have is is temporary happiness doesn't last forever we can feel happy about something I can feel happy that my drive's going smoothly and then someone cuts me up and then I'm not happy about it happiness is temporary joy is so much more than that. Joy is a spring that will never, ever run dry. Paul felt joy despite he was in prison because joy is about the perfect presence of God breathing through your life. Paul was in prison. He wasn't in a good or happy place, but the perfect presence of God was breathing through his life. Unlike the emotion of happiness, joy isn't dependent on what's going on. It's not dependent on how we feel or what we're doing or what our life looks like, what our Instagram account looks like. It's dependent on God and who God is. And that will never, ever change. Now, we've looked at Paul, but I'd love to look at the nativity story because I think the nativity story truly highlights what this is like. So there's Mary. Mary's a teenager. She's probably about 15. um, And she is pledged to be married to Joseph. But he goes... But then Mary ends up um, getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And this goes against every single societal practice that was out there. Mary had a plan. Mary was supposed to be married. 
now it's all gone wrong. This isn't what Mary planned. This isn't what Mary wanted. So what did she do? What would she say to him? How would he respond? What would people think? What about Joseph? He's a man pledged to a woman who's now pregnant. He wants to divorce her, but he clearly still loves her and he's not quite sure what to do. Can you imagine what must have gone through his head as he slept at night? There's a bit in, I think it's um, Matthew, where it says um, he considers divorcing her. And I thought, he probably didn't sleep for about four days. He probably never left his head for about four days. It was only what, all that he thought about. Probably didn't sleep very well. Probably had dreams about it. And I just love the word considers. I don't think I've ever considered anything in my life. I think I've overthought everything for days and then not come to a decision. So I don't think he considered it, actually. Um, so she's, he, yeah, Mary's in a bad place. Joseph's not in a good place either. What, what is society going to think? This is a time where what society thought of you was massive. So what are they going to do? What are the decisions are they going to make? And how do they turn what was their plan that's now a disaster into something that can be better? So you know that like, feeling that you get in your stomach when something happens and your stomach just drops and you can't breathe. You're like, oh. I'm pretty sure that's what Joseph felt when he heard the news that he had to go to Bethlehem, that he had to take his wife for 10 days on a journey that's not just going down the M1. This is going through bears, lions, all these different things, wild boars that could have killed them. And he's got to take his heavily pregnant wife on this journey for 10 days. On top of everything else that's going on in his life. And I imagine Mary's anxiety. She's heavily pregnant. She's walking around Bethlehem. She's hearing that actually there's nowhere for her to sleep tonight. Her back's probably hurting. She's wondering when she's going to give birth. She's wondering why the heck she's in Bethlehem. Why the heck did this angel come to her? Why is it all about Mary and Joseph? And why did they pick them? I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty terrified. I'd be in a mess. This is not the plan that Mary and Joseph had. This wasn't the love story that they really wanted. This wasn't the Instagram picture they were going to put on Instagram, was it? This was mess. She gives birth in a stable surrounded by animals. Not for me. No, thank you. This is mess. But there's, there's joy in this story. His name's Jesus. There's joy all the way through this story. The presence of God is in all of these aspects. An angel visits Mary, tells her not to be afraid. Sometimes when people tell me not to be afraid, I get a bit annoyed with them. Um, but I think she probably, the Holy Spirit fell on her, she would have not been afraid. Um, Joseph, he has a dream. He's told not to be afraid. Can you imagine the peace that must fall to think, Actually, I don't have the answers to this, but I know that, that God's with me. Imagine the peace of, oh, I get it now. It's okay. don't have the answers, but I know that Jesus is with me. God protects them on the journey to Bethlehem. Can you imagine if the end of it was that some wild boar came along? This wouldn't be that good, would it? But Jesus, uh, God protects them. He protects them. He provides them with a space. He provides them with a stable. Not what they're expecting, but when did God ever provide something that we expected? He doesn't but he provided them with something that they needed. The story leading up to Jesus' birth is mess, it's anxiety, it's fear, it's frustration. But how does it end? It ends with Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us.
And that's what joy is. Emmanuel, God with us. The saviour of the world came down to earth in the middle of the joy, in the middle of the pain, the mess, the hurt, the fear. And they called him Emmanuel, God with us. So what about you? I don't know um, what you're thinking right now. I don't know what you've uh, been through. I don't know what has brought you through these doors, whether you're really happy, whether life's going great, or whether actually um, things are really hard and things are really difficult. So often I've listened to someone talking about being joyful, talking about choose joy, and I've thought, but I don't do that. I don't feel God's joy. Am I broken? Is it me? I find this really hard. People tell me to be joyful, but actually I'm a bit angry. I'm a bit mad. I'm a bit frustrated. I actually grumble quite a lot. Be joyful. Have God's joy. It's all going to be fine. How often do we sit there and think, well, actually it's not. It's not fine. Actually it has. And now me being told to be joyful is just another thing to add to the list. It's another thing that I'm not doing right. It's another thing that I'm failing at, that, that God's ignoring me about, that God's not with me about. How often do we feel that? I'm, um, I'm going through something really, really tough right now. Um, and over the last few months, um, things have been, have been really hard. Um, and I think whenever hard things have happened in my life, I think I've always been able to, to kind of have that like baseline that, oh, well, it's okay because we have trust. It's because I can trust God. I can trust God in this. Or um, I can have hope. I have hope that no matter what happens, I know that um, God's with us. Look at the story of Job. Everything got taken away from Job, and, and look, he was fine. Um, and what I've been through this year is probably the first, the first time in my life when um, the promises of God and the message of trust and the message of hope haven't been there. They've, they've not been there. They've gone. And like, it's really scary. It's a really scary thing to walk through because the very foundations of, of what I knew, of what I, um, kind of what I relied on all my life, weren't there. And if you'd asked me a year ago, um, what does it mean to be joyful? I would have said, oh, well, um, it's the, you know, the Christian answer. It's, it's trusting God. It's knowing that everything will be fine. Um, it's saying that I'm going to choose joy over what the circumstances of my life are. And actually, if you ask me now, Emily, how do you find joy in the middle of the mess? I think on a bad day, I don't actually have an answer. I don't know. I don't know sometimes how to find joy in the middle of the mess. I don't. But on a good day, it's a bit like this. It's like there are tiny scraps of hope and of trust that are still there, that are still in the back somewhere. And it's like an old rickety shed, a really bad shed of, of my, my faith, of, of hope and of trust. And, and to me, Joy is saying, God, I pray that you protect this. I pray that, that I can't protect this and, and there's nothing I can do to, to change this, but I really pray right now that, that you protect this. And sometimes that's not easy to do. And sometimes it doesn't work. And I feel like it's all falling down. But sometimes finding joy in the mess is going, this is a mess. 
but actually, I'm going to trust God that you can do something with this. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was actually born in a rickety old shed. And if Jesus can be born in a rickety old shed and change the course of the world, I'm pretty sure he can do something in my life. So I don't know what brought you here. I don't know what's happening in your life. But my prayer is that that this rickety old shed that Jesus was born in is actually a place where we can go knowing that we can receive joy. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a rickety old shed. The kind of shed that probably would have a DIY SOS web, um, episode about it, that kind of vibe. He was born there. And I feel like at the minute, I don't know about you, about you but that's kind of where my life is. It's, it's in this rickety old shed. It's in this stable. But that is where Jesus was. That's where he was born. And that's where he changed the world.